Hey, welcome to Orca Podcast, a podcast by the Ocean Research and Conservation Association, sharing how scientific facts drive real environmental change. I'm your host, Aurora Aparicio. If you have any questions about this episode or any comments in general, feel free to email us at inquiries at teamorca.org. Today on our show, we have Hannah Atzma. She's an intern from Barry College this summer and has been working on several different things here. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Aurora. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So, Hannah, tell us who you are, where you're studying, what you're studying, and what you've been focused on this summer. Uh, so, my name is Hannah Atzma. I'm a senior at Barry College this year. I'm studying biology and I have minors in One Health and Chemistry. So this summer at ORCA, I've been working on a lot of different projects, haven't really focused in one specific area, mm-hmm. but it's been great. I've done so many different things from surveying physicians about their knowledge on environmental hazards like blue-green algae exposure to uh, studying cattle and horses and their microcystin exposure, and then also even working at some of ORCA's student outreach programs like their summer living lagoon camp. That sounds so fun. Okay, so you mentioned these horse and cattle and their microcystin exposure. I want to kind of think a little smaller scale and talk about these dogs that have recently been in the media and have been exposed to microcystin and and unfortunately died. Can you tell us what's been going on and maybe update us a bit on the news? Yes. So it's been in the news a lot recently. The most recent event um, that keeps coming up over and over again is a case in North Carolina where this woman had her three dogs. They went uh, to this pond, dogs went swimming, and then within the next like 24 hours, Um, All three of her dogs passed away um, due to this blue-green algae toxin. Beyond that, there have been other cases, too. In Georgia, there was a case of a dog that went swimming in Lake Alatoona. Three dogs, I think, in uh, Texas a couple weeks ago. And then it's just been covered all throughout different news sources that there are these blue-green algae blooms all over the place. Walk us through what happens in a dog's body once it swallows the water in which this microcystin is present. So depending on the amount of exposure or the method of exposure, symptoms of toxicosis can begin from like 15 minutes after exposure or ingestion of the toxins to 48 hours later. Um, And these can be seen in different ways, such as vomiting, just general lethargy, weakness, depression, and then ultimately most of the time these dogs end up with hepatic failure, so liver failure. Wow. Does it only occur if a dog drinks the water or is there other pathways of exposure for dogs? So the most common um, exposure would be through ingesting the water while the dog's swimming or if the dog went swimming and licked it off of its fur. Okay. So Hannah, if I'm a dog owner and I take my dog to a dog park that maybe has a pond, what should I be looking for to decide whether or not to let him swim in the water? The first thing to understand is that harmful algae blooms of these blue-green algaes, they occur mostly during hot, dry periods. So if there hasn't been a lot of rain recently or if it's an area of water that does not see a lot of flow, uh these waters are a lot more likely to have blooms. 
So when these waters become warm and stagnant, it provides this ideal environment for the blue-green algae to thrive. Okay. Um, So if you see water that's covered with a blue-green kind of scum, sometimes it occurs more foamy, it can be darker colored. The hard part about this is it doesn't always look the same. Mm. Um, The best way to judge whether or not you should, you know, let your animal or your dog go play in this water is the movement of the water, the temperature, and then how much rainfall. Awesome. So kind of understanding the environment and um, if they were ever in doubt of whether you should let your dog in the water or not, just play it safe and stay away. Yeah, fill up the bathtub at home. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But we also know that these toxins can be aerosolized. So even being nearby, these particles can be inhaled or get blown onto the coat of these dogs, and these dogs can lick it later. Mm-hmm. So, But we don't really have a good handle on how high of a level of exposure is necessary for these detrimental effects. Yeah. Um, and it's very variant between different animals, even different cases within the dogs. You know, we're talking about these poor dogs, and you've studied horse and cattle Is there risk for other animals, too, regarding these toxin exposures? Yeah, so there's been several different studies on various animals. There's um, even some in sheep where microcystin was exposed to these sheep, and they uh, got very detrimental effects from that as well. Horses and cattle can definitely be exposed. Yeah, so, I mean, what, what should we be looking for with you know, larger animals, like where Mm -hmm. can they get exposed? Yeah. So with dogs, typically the exposure is through recreational. Mm -hmm. They're swimming, they ingest it, they lick it off themselves. With horses and cattle, it's typically through ingestion of contaminated drinking water. So what happens is there is a farm pond that they have access to. The water might be stagnant, grows an algae bloom, and end up drinking that water and then get exposed to the microcystin or any other toxin that algae is releasing. Yeah. Are, are the symptoms different in a dog than in horses and cattle? Generally, they present the same. In horses, um, if you're familiar with horses at all, it's going to probably present initially as general colic, so intestinal issues. But then, just as in dogs, it will eventually reach hepatic failure. Wow. Do you know by chance how long it takes for a horse or a dog or a cow to die if they ingest enough of this or they're exposed to enough microcystin? It can vary a lot. Again, it depends on the levels of exposure. It can be between um, a couple hours to a day or two, but overall it's a pretty quick turnaround. Okay. Okay. That's what you were saying earlier. I thought... um... I thought what you were saying earlier was it can take a little while, like up to two days for any symptoms to show up. But you're saying like they can they can die within two days. They can. Yeah, that's typically how it happens. Okay. Symptoms can show up as early as 15 minutes after exposure. Right. right. Okay. But uh, the whole toxicosis takes course pretty quickly. Wow. What research is being done to investigate and provide solutions to these risks? The most effective solutions come from fighting the sources of these blooms, Mm -hmm. which is hard to do because most of these blooms 
that are affecting these dogs um, and horses and cattle are small cases. So you have to go case by case. What is causing these blooms? Is there some sort of um, increased nutrient load being put into the water due to agricultural runoff? What's causing it? We want to find these upstream solutions of stopping these blooms before they happen. Yeah. Which is not always easy to do. That's kind of a hard area to research. There's one study that looked at terrestrial cyanobacteria. So oh. uh, blue-green algae that's actually growing on the grass grazing animals might be eating. And this study was inconclusive about whether this was actually causing sickness in um, these animals, but it definitely opened up uh, the door to further studies because uh, we really don't know what other effects this algae, blue-green algae might have on um, grazing animals if it's being aerosolized or if it's on the grass they're eating. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even know that algae could grow on land. Yeah, which there is are terrifying. There are certain species that will grow on grass or other plants, and uh, they're not all toxic. They don't all produce toxins, but mm -hmm. some of them can. Wow. Where do you suggest people go if they have, you know, animals like horses or cattle or dogs for more information? Most states have their own website uh, about reporting blooms and can give you updated information. Mm -hmm. um, the best advice I can give is to look out for advisories, watch the news, uh, do your best to educate yourself on what these blooms might look like so you can protect yourself and your own animals. Mm -hmm. Do you know if this is a common thing that vets look for in animals? I know, I know the turnaround's pretty quick, but if a large animal doctor goes out to a farm and looks, checks out an animal for something, do you think they sort of survey, you know, maybe the grass to see if there's any algae growing? Do you know of, of anything like that? I'm not going to speak for the veterinarian community, right. but from my experience, most veterinarians are pretty observant when it comes to looking at the environment these animals are in because they mm -hmm. have to be because their patients can't necessarily tell them what they've been exposed to. Right. So they're very good about taking that kind of one health approach of looking at the environment. How is this animal interacting with its environment and seeing some of these things for concern? So I would say the veterinarian community is pretty aware, especially with all of these news articles coming out right now mm -hmm. they're watching that they know that they're going to have patients coming in whether or not they're having this toxin they're probably going to have concerned owners worried about their pets so i would say there is a pretty big awareness of it awesome that's really good to hear uh well thank you so much hannah for being on our podcast and for this update we really appreciate it yeah absolutely mm -hmm.